Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, July 20th, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, who joins me today from his New York City office. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So on Thursday, PW reported that Tor Books, a science fiction and fantasy publisher, that's a division of Macmillan, says it will establish a four-month embargo for e-books for libraries. Now, it's been a while since we last talked about library e-books, and indeed the market has seemed relatively stable for about four years. Librarians have viewed this news, though, as movement in the wrong direction. Tell us about why Tor is doing this. Yeah, so it was, you know, it's been like, what? Five or six years ago, when we were talking all the time about the trials and tribulations of the library ebook market and the resulting strained relations between publishers and libraries, but not so much in recent years. And after all, the major publishers by the summer of 2014 had all made their full collections available to libraries on publication. But now, as you say, this week, uh, we are reporting that leading sci-fi publisher Tor Books is engaging in little time travel. So as part of a test, they say, uh, and as you correctly point out, they are now going to be embargoing new released books for libraries, new release ebooks, I should say, for four months after their on sale date. So what's this test supposed to measure and why now? Well, two good questions. And I've been trying to get some answers, um, but at the moment, Macmillan officials are being a little tight-lipped about it all. But here's what we do know. So earlier this month, Macmillan sent a notice to their vendors, which was passed on to libraries, announcing that this new embargo would be part of a test program designed to assess the impact of library ebook lending on retail ebook sales. But the statement that they sent to libraries goes on to say, and I'll quote here, that the publisher's current analysis on e-lending indicates that it is having a direct and adverse impact on retail ebook sales. And the Tor is now working with library vendors to develop ongoing terms that will support Tor's authors, agents, and channel partners. Missing from that, I would point out, is readers. Now, on its face, that sounds pretty bad for libraries. For one, it implies that Macmillan has already decided that ebook lending in libraries, after the last four years of relative calm, is bad for sales. And if that's true, well, that's awful. And then there's the idea that after four years, uh, they're going to be developing new library ebook terms. And that's also bad news because clearly those terms are not going to be moving in a direction that libraries want to go, which is more flexibility, maybe lower prices, and somewhat easier to manage. So I was finally able this week to get a Macmillan spokesperson to comment, and they did soften their stance a little bit. They told me that while, again, they stressed that this was all part of a pilot project, and that they've been seeing an adverse impact on ebook sales over a period of time, and that they're going to use this test to determine if library ebook lending is one of the contributing factors. So, Andrew, could we see this embargo be set in place on books from other Macmillan divisions, including St. Martin's Press and Farrah, Strauss, and Giroux? You know, I asked that question, and the publisher did not answer beyond telling me that there are no plans at the moment. And I'll stress, they said, at the moment, to put other divisions into this pilot, but I... I now, I think it's clear that this was not cooked up entirely by Tor, uh, that this new policy change is coming from Macmillan Corporate, and that Tor, as a, as a genre publisher with a really strong reputation and a solid devoted readership, probably seemed like a good place to start. When Copyright Clearance Center's Beyond the Book returns, Andrew Albanese has details on librarians' reaction to the Tor Macmillan eBooks embargo. I'm Christopher Keneally with Copyright Clearance Center's Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. 
I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book. It's Friday, July 20th, 2018, and Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly joins me with news and insights on the world of publishing. Before the break, Andrew, we heard that Tor Books, a science fiction and fantasy publisher and a division of Macmillan, plans to establish a four-month embargo for e-books for libraries. The news has sparked a forceful response from librarians. What's their mood? Well, they're angry, and understandably so, because this is going to hurt their ability to serve their customers, and that's never good. Uh, and yet it's another wrinkle in an already complex lending scheme that they have to manage, and I I think that what's bothering librarians most of all is that it came with no warning. You know, I spoke to a number of librarians this week, including Michael Blackwell, who's a librarian in Maryland and one of the organizers of Readers First, which is a coalition of some 300 libraries dedicated to improving ebook access and service for public library users. And Readers First has called the move a giant leap backwards for libraries, and they've forcefully disputed the idea that library ebook lending is hurting towards retail ebook sales at all. And Michael was especially disappointed that this all came, you know, like I said, without warning. And especially because just a few weeks ago, there was this major ebook summit at the ALA conference in New Orleans, which he points out Macmillan officials were invited to, but did not attend. In fact, only Penguin Random House of the big, big five publishers did attend. Now, what can libraries do about all this? Probably not much. Uh, and as I wrote in my piece this week on Publishers Weekly, it sure seems to me that there is a communication void that's now reemerging between libraries and publishers, uh, especially in the years since the ALA's Digital Content Working Group officially ceased operations, uh, this after the expiration of its six-year charter. Now, our listeners may remember we talked quite a bit back in the day about the Digital Content Working Group, which was chartered in 2011, back when tensions were really running hot between libraries and publishers over this ebook issue, back when basic access access to ebooks was being denied by publishers. And that group was credited by many with helping to break not only the initial impasse over library ebook lending, that was back in 2012, but also since 2014, having established this major lasting achievement of a communication channel between library leaders and publishing executives. But I'll say, if that's true, and if this channel has been established, well, what happened here? Well, indeed. And, you know, George Bernard Shaw once said that the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. So if communication was illusory, what was the reality? What did happen here to cause a breakdown between librarians and at least this one publisher? Yeah, I think in a word, complacency. You know, there really was communication there between librarians and publishers for a while. They had regular meetings here in New York City. They stayed in touch about these issues. But then, you know, back around 2016, things just got quiet. Uh, and I, I remember speaking about this. In fact, I'm, I'm try not trying to pat myself on the back here, but back in 2016, I actually spoke uh, on a panel at ALA Midwinter, and I warned against complacency. I specifically warned that libraries, you know, now that they had achieved basic access with the publishers, um, that, you know, we were on this 
plateau of mediocrity that was dangerous. And the risk that I saw was that everyone was going to settle, settle onto this plateau. They were all going to be lulled into thinking that, well, things may not be perfect. They may not be great, but okay, this works. But the problem is that the digital world just keeps moving, right? And if librarians are not constantly communicating and pushing and pressing for improvements and engaging with publishers about what they need to serve their patrons, if they're not constantly trying to improve and find new ways to grow, well, then you're at risk. And I think that's what happened here. You know, one librarian I spoke to this week admitted that, yes, uh, the library community has taken its foot off the gas here when it comes to ebooks. Uh, and meanwhile, look at how much the world has changed since 2014. Library ebooks have been a settled issue since then, but certainly the digital world is not. So we're now firmly in this access on demand Netflix streaming world and beyond ebooks, which have been declining for the past few years. We have audio surging and print rising and reader habits that are becoming more and more defined and you know, after a couple of years of pushing with no success for changes, for more progress in library ebooks, the library community just kind of eased up. And I just don't think you can do that. Not at this digital point uh, where things are just changing so rapidly. The Reader's First Library Coalition, in fact, posted a statement addressed to Tor McMillan that included a suggestion Amazon may have played a role here. What's the theory there? Yeah, that's a fascinating little note in in their post. And I spent a couple of days trying to run this down. Uh, and indeed, there are stories that are out there among librarians and library vendors who have told me that particularly at this year's Book Expo, uh, that Amazon reps were out there with publishers showing them data about how the library market is impacting the retail market. Uh, so is that what happened here? Did that play a role in what Tor decided to do? I can't say that. Uh, it, it makes sense because science fiction is a huge genre for Amazon and certainly fits uh, their program. But what I can say is that Amazon is definitely out there competing with librarians. And it's not just about ebooks. It's about Audible subscriptions and Kindle Unlimited. And if you thought the state of digital was tough back in 2011 when the ebook market was brand new, well, we're not just talking about ebooks anymore. We're talking about all kinds of digital content and the way consumers are getting used to accessing it. And it's only going to get more complex in the coming years. Finally, there's a ray of hope in Macmillan's announcement because they also said they were participating in the recently launched Panorama Project. With initial funding provided by Vendor Overdrive, the Panorama Project is designed to track key digital and print data to gain insight into how libraries, publishers, booksellers, and distributors all work together. So, Andrew, maybe the data here will back up the library position. Yeah, you know, perhaps it will. And I think the Panorama Project is fascinating. They have a terrific board of advisors. I think BISG is now involved as well. Uh, and it's a welcome step. And I hope it works and I hope it yields powerful data for libraries and for publishers that they can use uh, in their advocacy uh, initiatives. But I would point out this. Data can be a blunt instrument, right? The numbers can often tell you any story you want them to tell. It's all about the analysis. And I do question how the participants in this project are going to weight the data that they get from Panorama with their own data and against their own beliefs and against the data that Amazon, which doesn't share their data with anybody, is sharing with them on the side, you know, when it suits them. Now, I agree that the next phase of the digital conversation for libraries needs to be data-driven, and I think this is a great effort. But if I'm looking at the immediate future, I'm looking at seeing more publishers follow Tor's lead here, and that is experimenting with restrictions on libraries, not expansion, and starting with the genres and niches where, say, company like Amazon can show them compelling data that library lending might be competing with their retail sales. So 
I don't know how libraries counter that. Maybe it's with their data. Maybe it's with their own data. But I don't see this move by Tor so much as a test, what they're calling it. I see it more as a warning shot. And after four quiet years on the, the library ebook digital border here, I think we're soon going to see some more skirmishing between libraries and publishers. Reporting this week and every Friday on CCC's Beyond the Book from that digital publishing front is Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. Thanks for joining me today, Andrew, and talk with you next week. My pleasure, as always. A smartphone screen is usually quite small, leading many of us to think that screen reading is somehow a diminished experience. But what if we shift our thinking and view mobile media as a new pathway for reading and learning? Educator, editor, and author Michael Greer urges us all to recognize that mobile has surpassed desktop as the preferred point of access for most online readers. In classrooms, this shift marks an opportunity for a new mobile direction in learning. I've been an evangelist for mobile for some time, and I want to reassure people that we're not necessarily talking about replacing print. We're talking about supplementing print. And I've I've found that if we think about mobile as one part of a learning ecosystem that includes print and web-based platforms. Um, that's a nice way to think of it. People tend to think of, of the small screen and they think of it as a diminished experience of a printed book. Let's stop comparing it to a print book and think about what can mobile do as mobile. A mobile direction for learning next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries Rights Direct and Nixus drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book.